The scripture is, oops, get to the mic. <laughs> the scripture is from Romans 12, verses 3 through 21. By the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal, but be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints, extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of God. Thanks. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks, Deb. Now, for me, personally, I think we should go back to the uh, confession and pardon now. I've got some new material. <laughs> That's just me. So this is the uh, fourth week of a five-week series that I've been working through, that we've been looking at together, looking at the similarities between the experience, our collective experience of team, a very common experience for us, uh, some sort of team environment, some sort of team experience, the similarities between team and the church. And so I've uh, mentioned a few times, and if you weren't here the first couple weeks, first three weeks, you could go back and listen to or watch previous uh, sermons where I talk about this exercise that I did between the Ad Council, the appointed leaders of our church, and also the confirmands, asking for some of the traits of what is a good team. And we identified all of those, and then I said, okay, uh, what about a teammate? And we said what the good traits of a teammate are. And then I said, now which ones of these are for the church, to be a good church and a good church member? And now if we would have asked that question first, it would have been very difficult to make the list. But once we had a list of all the traits of a good team, everyone said, leaders and confirmants said, well, pretty much all of them. 
They're all the same. And that was a, a really powerful experience. And so as a, what came out of those, that time uh, was some of these trends, these, tra- these sort of patterns. And the first week we talked about the uh, experience of belonging that we all have when we're a part of a team. The necessity of understanding what is winning. If you're playing a game, you need to know what it means to win, right? And then you also need to know what are the short-term goals that I need to set for myself and for the team that will lead us towards winning. Otherwise, if we say we want to win, but we don't do the things that help us get there, it doesn't matter if we say we want to win or not. We're not going to win. Last week, we talked about the importance of commitment and effort, that if we want to be a strong team, we have to commit. We have to give our very best. Now today, we're going to talk about something entirely different, the importance of sharing our gifts. And so to start with this, I'd like you to think of a time, this is your job, only you can do this part of the message, okay? Can you think of a time when you helped out, when you did something, and you gave of yourself in a way that afterwards you felt, or maybe while you were doing it, you felt like, wow, did that feel good. That felt really good. I wasn't sure about doing that. It was kind of a new experience for me, but it really felt good. In fact, I could even say that I want to do more of that, or that is me. I felt like I gave myself to that experience. Can you think of a time when that was your reality? Maybe at home, if you have kids and you're you know, talking through a hard situation and you thought, wow, I really brought myself to that. I'm kind of gifted in that way. Or maybe at home when you're <laughs> helping out with a project and you say, this is what I'm good at. Right, Doug? You say, this is what I'm good at. I can really, this is what I would say at home, I'm really good at hanging that picture on the wall and that's about it. <laughs> it's just that one thing that you bring that you just say, this is me. I'm really good at this. This is kind of how God made me. Or maybe at your job, you really show up to those hard moments and you say, this is me. I am gifted in this way. I have this strength and when I use it, I feel alive. You can think of some things, right? At home or at work or maybe it was going back to that team experience where you say, that is what I'm really good at. Now, here's the harder one. What experience do you feel that way in the church when you say, that is me, I'm alive when I do that. I am gifted in that way. When I step into that role, when I serve in that way, I feel like God has gifted me for that very moment. Anybody want to share? (laughs) That is a harder one. That's harder, isn't it? I bet... Putting you on the spot, Deb, I bet you feel that way when you read Scripture sometimes, right? Or when you lead, next week, Deb is going to lead worship. I bet you feel that way sometimes, maybe not every time, when you read Scripture or you lead worship because you are gifted in that way. That is a harder one, but we should have the same kind of experience within the life of the church. I can remember a very specific moment at the church in Lake City where I was discipled and where Gina and I were married. We met in that area when... We were living over there at that time. I remember a very specific moment before I met Gina. I was helping out with these, uh, we called them the Wednesday night kids. They were kids that were just showing up at our church because uh, they heard there was a free meal. And most of them came from 
uh, tough backgrounds. Parents were uh, addicted to drugs or they struggled with alcohol or they worked in the evening so they weren't at, the parents weren't home and so the kids kind of had to fend for themselves and they heard, all of them heard and told all their friends, show up to the Methodist church because there's a free meal. Well, then the problem was, as you can imagine, if youth group is going on and then you have all these younger kids running around the church <laughs> unsupervised, it's not going to turn out well, is it? And so I was getting involved in discipleship, you know, trying to decide, you know, what's my level of commitment to this church at that time and was attending small groups and really growing in faith and Jesus was changing my life and someone invited me to be a part of this group. And I thought, whoa, commitment, <laughs> scared. I'm scared of the commitment here. I don't want to do that. And I thought, can I really do this with the kids? I've never taught anything in my life. I can't, you know, I've never worked with kids in this way. Is this something that I can really do? That's sort of the fears that I was working through. Am I really enough? Do I know enough? Do I have anything to share with these kids about God? I barely know enough for myself. But at some point when I was teaching, I just kind of let go of sort of what felt like the right way to do that experience. And at some point, I sort of just let go of that and, and just kind of soaked into the moment, just entered into the moment. And I started to feel on the inside like, Gosh, I'm actually pretty good at this. Like, I actually feel like really good at this. And then someone came up to me afterwards, a friend of mine, and said, that was awesome. You know? And it totally just blindsided me because I had never envisioned myself of doing that experience. And that that memory that I have, I can just remember that as if it were yesterday. That was a huge part of me discerning a call into ministry. Like to affirm the gift of teaching, which I never thought working on the golf course, I didn't think I had the gift of teaching or anything similar to that. Now I'm guessing that you haven't had that experience, right? Is that safe to say that you haven't had an experience quite like that? But what is that way of helping within the church that makes you feel alive? What is it that when you do these things, they make you feel like, wow, God is actually working through me. God's grace is soaking into my body and my life and then I get to pour it back out into this community of believers. What is that experience for you? Because I'm telling you, it's not supposed to be just, well, Chad, that's nice that he had that experience in Lake City, but then look, he's the pastor. No, every believer is supposed to have that kind of an experience and discern what is that gift that only you have. And Kyle's gift is going to be different than Laura's gift. And Christy's gift is going to be different from Dean's gift. But we all have some kind of gift. My mentor used to call it when we live into our, our giftedness and our, the way that God has made us, it's like rocket fuel for the rocket. Like, we can't operate without it, but when we get the fuel, it just launches us into another orbit of our walk with Jesus. That's really what it is. So I know some of these are gifts for some of you, and maybe you haven't recognized them as a gift. Gift-giving. Generosity. Some of you are very gifted in the spiritual gift of encouragement, of praying. Some of you are gifted in, she's not looking at me right now, there we go, 
<laughs> Some of you are gifted in, the, in teaching and preaching. That's your giftedness. Some of you are gifted in greeting and welcoming the new person. Making them feel like this is your church family too. That is also a spiritual gift. And here's the truth, friends. This is what God says about the team. This team. The body of Christ. Let me reread this to you from Romans 12, verses 4-6. through Paul says, For as in one body we have many members, not like church members. That's not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about body like my hand is inseparable from me. That's the way that Paul's talking about body. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. Wow, we're members of one another. We are so close. We belong to each other. And we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Notice a couple things that Paul does not say. He doesn't say, well, some people have gifts. Some people will use their gifts if they have enough time. (laughs) Some people used to use their gifts, but then been there, done that. We'll let the younger people do those gifts. Did you notice that Paul didn't say anything like that? Nothing like that at all? And that you can't actually find those words in anywhere in Scripture? But instead, it's more this reality that each of us, each one of us as believers, have been given a gift by God to use, to pour out for the sake of the body of Christ. Think about that for a second. So when we use our gift, not only do we feel alive in our faith, but we actually make the reality of God's presence real to other people. Could there be any other greater, could could there be any greater honor in life than to say, when I do this, I'm actually making God real to other people? I can't think of anything more important to discern and think about and live into in all of life. There's no achievement. There's no accumulation of wealth or power or comfort. Nothing more important than making the presence of Jesus known to the people around us and to ourselves. And so you've been given a gift. And it's up to you to discern that gift and to share it. And it's my job to help you in that journey. Like any gift, think about the greatest gifts that you know about that are more tangible, more practical to wrap your head around. Like any gift, it's meant to be enjoyed by you and by others. And it's most enjoyable when we can share our gift with the people that mean the most to us. I know that's true of just the practical, silly things like, check this out. Check out this gift that I got from Gina. Or somebody else. Gina doesn't give me gifts. I don't give her gifts. It's just our thing. (laughs) Friends, each of us is meant to use this gift for the building up, for the serving of one another, and for the well-being of the team. And like the body, if one part doesn't contribute, like if my leg didn't work, or if my foot was hurting, which sometimes that happens, you know, we get some sort of injury, the rest of the body has to compensate. You know, you get some sort of 
some sort of ailment on the other side of your body, Gina has taught me, because you're compensating for what's not working on one side. Right, Doug? Doug had a shoulder surgery. You know how this works. The rest of the body has to compensate and maybe can't do as much, and eventually the whole body suffers. This gift given to us by God is, is meant to be lived out, to be used, to be shared with the team, shared with the body. Now that's according to our life stage. I recognize that when you're in your 90s, you can do less than you could when you were in your 20s. But also that if you have three children, you know, it's not going to be the same as when those children are off to college or before you had children in the first place. The way we use our gifts are going to be different according to our life stage. But we still have gifts. And using our, using our gifts is how we best honor God. Is how we best say thank you to God for making me in this particular way. Thank you for giving me the gift of the rest of this body who is there to bring me strength and encouragement where together we can belong to each other and work towards bringing the will of God, the kingdom of God, into this world. I like the way that Peter talks about the importance of gifts. Remember, Peter actually walked with Jesus and lived this life with Jesus, was like one of the main disciples. And Peter says, above all, maintain constant love for one another. Above all, for love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. To Him belongs the glory and the power for, forever and ever. Amen. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. This is how Peter talks about it. Using the gifts that we've been given is also how we become our truest self how we learn who we really are, how God made us to be, and how we feel most alive. So Peter and Paul are, uh, are applying to everyday life this metaphor that Jesus uses when, he, when He's teaching His disciples. Jesus talks about fruit as the outcome of our faith in God. That if we're living out our faith in God to its fullest potential that we should notice things happening. That it's less about just believing the right things and then carrying on as normal with the rest of our life, but that actually when we live into the grace of God, when we live out our giftedness, then other people will see and experience and will see and experience the grace of God bringing out certain outcomes. So let me read this to you, what Jesus says in John chapter 15. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. So that, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask Him in my name. I am giving you these commandments so that you may love one another. 
using our spiritual gifts is how God grows. This is how God grows spiritual fruit within us and around us. Fruit that will last. If we try to live outside of our giftedness, there will not be any fruit growing. It's like if I tried to go home today and plant a, an orange tree in the backyard at the parsonage, not going to work. So if I ask you to come up and lead worship or uh, read Scripture and that is not your gift, guess what? It's not going to grow in you because that's not your gift. It's just not going to work. But that does not mean that you don't have some other gift that can grow within you. And as you live into it, fruit will grow for our church community and for you within your soul. Powerful, lasting, life-giving fruit of our faithfulness to God and evidence of God's grace working through us. So the fact that we have gifts to share and that sharing these gifts makes us feel alive, this becomes evidence that we can experience, that we can actually experience uh, of God's love. Evidence of God's love for us and presence among us. And so God gives us grace in the form of gifts so that none of us have to feel the weight of doing more than we can do ourselves. We each contribute just like my foot has a job and this foot has a job and this hand and this hand so that no body part has to feel the weight of all the responsibility of the body. And yet we joke about this reality, don't we? When we say 10% of the people do 90% of the work and we laugh it off and just say, well, maybe one day it will change. But in the reality, that's what we're doing. We're asking those parts of the body to do 90% of what was meant for the entire body of Christ to do together. It's not sustainable, is it? God gives us grace in the form of gifts because He wants each of us to feel meaning and purpose in life. It's not out of like, no, you have to do this now. This is your responsibility to the church. And maybe for a while that was a sentiment of church leaders is, this is what you ought to do. This is how you're a good member of the church. I don't know, I wasn't, a, I wasn't a Christian back then. I'm just saying that could happen, right? And scarcity leads us down that road of saying, people ought to do that. That should be a requirement. But that's not why God gives you gifts. That's not at all why God gives you gifts. He wants you to feel meaning and purpose in life to its fullest extent. To its fullest extent. He wants us to feel full of faith. To feel full of faith always. And God gives us gifts so that we can experience the reality of the Gospel. That Christ has come to us and is with us. So why is that so hard to live into? Why is it so hard to tap into our giftedness and, and just live that out and just feel alive in our faith? Why is that not the norm in our faith in Christ? Can you think of that for a second? Why is it so hard? Well, the way I see it, there are two challenges to seeing our faith in Christ in this way. One, and this is a pretty big one, you might not know your gifts. You've never heard they're talked about. Like, what's a spiritual gift? You know, what is that? I, I've never heard of that. And that's significant. It just hasn't been emphasized before. And it's also human... Uh, it's also human nature to serve or to live, in, live out our faith in ways that feel most comfortable 
or we're willing to do what we already know or to serve in a way that requires the least level of commitment. I hear this all the time. Well, if you've know, if you got a special project going on, I'll, I'll come and help with that, but I don't want to serve on a committee. Like, yeah, I don't either. <laughs> does, anybody, does anybody want to serve on a committee? Uh, or if you ever need you know, some meat or something, I'll donate to that, but you know, to get to donate to our general fund on a regular basis is like pulling teeth. You know, it's again, it's a, a commitment, and it's, we don't want to move out of what we're comfortable with. But to approach gifts in this way, to say that I'm just going to do what I already know how to do, like I'm just going to greet, and then and thank you if you're a greeter, by the way, but I'm just giving an example. Like, I'm just going to greet, and I'm never going to do anything else because that's where I feel comfortable. And then pretty soon other people say, you know, that's the way I like to serve too because you can just do it whenever you want, and it's, there's no commitment, and it's pretty easy. Well, if we all approached gifts in this way of what's easy and what's just most in front of me in the lowest level of commitment, that's like all of us having the same gifts and the same skill set. That would be like, think about this, how silly this would be if the teams competing for uh, going to the Super Bowl this afternoon had a team full of all quarterbacks. Well, it would be absurd, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, a quarterback has specific skills and gifts that the rest of the team doesn't have. And the same with the center. And the same with the kicker who trots out there and just does this. You know, it wouldn't make any sense if that were the reality. Or a basketball team with all point guards. You'd say, well, you're going to get clobbered by a team that is well-rounded where everybody contributes in the way that they are gifted. So we need to do a couple of different things. We need to learn the variety of gifts through this actual learning kind of experience and an assessment. There are assessments. And actually, that's why I had the stapler up here. I was doing some last-minute prep. And here's a spiritual gift survey. There's like 10 of them out on the table out there in the, the narthex. And it just asks you through the lobby. Uh, it, it walks you through different questions that help you sort of think about, is that, is that something I'm good at? Like, I have the ability to organize ideas, resources, time, and people effectively. And then you rate it one to five. And you go through all those questions, and then you tally them up, and you fill it out in this chart, and it will tell you where your sort of giftedness lies. And it's not like a be-all, end-all, but it's a starting place, isn't it? Like, well, no wonder when I serve in this way, it's, I don't like it doesn't feel good, but it also can help you to see, well, maybe I should talk to Pastor Chad or somebody else about trying this. And it might be something that we can have here at our church. It might be a new ministry that you, God might have placed that in your heart and within your skill set to bless the rest of the church. So learn, take an assessment. And number two is try new things. Mix it up especially if, this is important, especially if you're feeling burned out, which a lot of people are about their work life and their home life, which you can't change much about. But in the church, you can mix it up a little bit. You can say, I, you know, I've done that for a long time. I'm going to try a different way of serving. You know, I'm going to ask Pastor Chad if I can learn the booth because I'm tired. Maybe Deb says afterwards today, you know, I'm tired of reading Scripture and, and, and doing that. You know, try some different things. I'm telling you, I would have never, never chosen to teach those kids. I would have never chosen to lead a small group 
Never. Too uncomfortable. Too much commitment. Too much vulnerability. And it's not an understatement to say that that experience of being sort of invited into and trying it changed my life dramatically. And the same opportunities are lying there for you somewhere within the life of the church. It may not change your life dramatically. Some of you get freaked out when I even say that. (laughs) It doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to change your life dramatically, but it is going to help you to tune into exactly who God made you to be. We discover who we are as we discover and use our gifts. Different kinds of gifts. Gifts like faith. Gifts like encouragement, generosity, organization. A gift of prayer, a gift of welcoming, a gift of hospitality, a gift of speaking, a gift of teaching, of wisdom. The second major challenge in living from our giftedness, and this is actually the I think the primary challenge, the major challenge of the way that we view our church is this contrast between the team and the sense of belonging and and intimacy that we have and purpose and meaning that we have as a team, a contrast between that experience and the movies. Think about for a second the last time that you went to the movies. What is that like? versus how we're supposed to be the church. When I go to the movies, I decide when I would like to go, when I feel like going, when there's a movie that's right in the genre of what I like to receive from a movie, and I go and I bring my money, and I sit, and I watch, and I just take, I just receive, because, well, I'm paying the money. And it used to be that when I'd go to church, then I would bring that same sort of mentality to church. Except instead of $50 for the movies, I would give $25 because no one's forcing me to pay. And that's the same as how most of us view church. We're going to church. It's more of like this transactional sort of thing that we observe that hopefully is in line with our preference rather than we bring something to worship. The church of Jesus Christ is the body, a team experience where everyone brings themselves to the times where we gather, those spaces where we gather, even the fans. Who is it? The Seattle Seahawks? Is that why we've got any NFL fans here? Who brag about the 12th man? the 12th player on the field, or when you have a home field advantage, you say, wow, that team has got the upper hand because of the fans. In sports, with a team, even the fans contribute. But in the movies, if you're talking in the movies, if you're bringing yourself, they're going to ask you to leave, aren't they? We need to reclaim this view of the church as the body, as the team, as I don't come here and just observe and just consume. I come here to contribute. And maybe the days are long gone when I can do the things that I used to do, but now I can come and bring my enthusiasm. I can come and bring my prayers. I can come and bring all of my heart and be willing to welcome that person who's brand new to the congregation. Or to try and repair some hurt relationships or whatever. 
But in the team, in the body of Jesus, there is not room for sort of a consumer mindset. Yet, that is the mindset throughout the church in all of the Western culture in America. Churches whose members and attenders view church as similar to the movies will continue to struggle and actually die at an accelerated pace. We're seeing that. Church in New Ulm, right on the popular intersection, United Methodist Church, right on the intersection, right there on the main drag, just recently closed. Right there. Visible. I know the pastor. Churches whose members and attenders view church as similar experience to the movie will continue to struggle and die at an accelerated pace. And it's not just COVID that led us down this road. This is just accelerated where we were already headed. It's just like we were already driving on this path and we just stepped on the gas when COVID happened. That's the truth. That is the well-accepted truth in, in church leadership world. And all pastors would agree that that's the truth. And this will be the reality until people who consider themselves part of the church see themselves as part of the team and start to think and say, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? Instead of saying, I'll have the popcorn and the slushy, and I'm going to that movie. What can I do to help? I'm telling you, here's a quick marriage advice. My relationship with Gina changed dramatically in terms of getting the meals ready and helping get things for the kids. When I, Instead of saying, I can't wait for her to be done with the food, which is always what I'm thinking. Right? I can't wait for her to be done for us to be able to eat. I don't know what to do when she's doing that. All right? I have no idea, but I just walk into the kitchen and I say, what can I do to help? How can I help? What can I do? I don't know, but I'm asking you. A sign of maturity and a game changer in our relationship with Jesus is then we realize that I don't just want to, I don't, I don't just need to help. It's not just like a requirement that God puts upon my life. Like I have to help now, darn it. No, we start to say, I want to. I want to give of myself for Christ and for one another, and ultimately, at the end of the day, for me, for what's best for myself. This is how I feel most alive. And so we show up to those church spaces and say, how can I help? I I really don't know what to do. I don't know how to help. But how can I help? That, friends, is a brave question to ask. It's a confident question and a vulnerable question. And one that also demonstrates our faith in Jesus. Of saying, I'm humble enough to say, I'm wi- and willing enough to say that maybe I haven't done the thing that makes me feel alive, and that's okay. But that Christ will lead me uh, down that path. How can I help? That's also the question that God asks us every single day. <laughs> I know what you're up against today. How can I help? What is it that you need? I don't want you to be overwhelmed and and overburdened. I want you to feel alive and to know that I'm with you. How can I help? What can I do? How can we work together? Friends, you have a gift. Each of you. No matter how old, no matter how new to the faith, 
no matter how unsure of yourself you feel in your, Christ, in your walk with Jesus, you have a gift which is evidence of God's love and grace towards you. Don't neglect yourself of the exhilaration of using it and the blessing that it is to us as well. May we use our gifts, each of us, as members of the team, belonging to one another by the grace, love, and presence of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Gonna need a bigger water. Let's take this moment of silence, maybe 30 seconds or so, and just think about what is my posture towards the life of the church? Is it an attender, like a moviegoer, or is it one of belonging to this body? the physical body of Jesus? That's one question you can think about and ask God about. And two, saying, God, help me to know what, it, what are my gifts? Because I want to feel alive in my faith. I want to feel like I'm, I'm taking off in my faith. Not stuck. Not dreading it. Not grumbling within my heart about it. So let's sit with God and ask God for the discernment for the encouragement in those two areas. And then we'll come together with prayer.